Morena. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Not only do we get to pastor the pastors, we're pastoring people that we knew before they came to this church in Kirk and Mel. And so it's a great delight, and there's an interesting kind of history in the way we connected, and it's quite exciting and supernatural. Um, but I guess today I really want to talk to you about the door. Uh, evidently that's a theme you're doing, and so I was like, wow, which door am I going to do? You know, there's quite a few doors, but my, this is my favourite message. You know, all preachers have a fave. And, uh, yeah. And, I mean, I always redo it because I don't want anything stale and I always want a message to go through my own heart again before I share it. But what are, and you're going to get heaps of scripture. Just relax. It's just the Bible. Okay? Because how else could we describe what happens once John goes through that door? So let me read to you. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom on patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining, in all its brilliance, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I am alive forever and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Okay, context. This is John the Beloved. He's now 90 years old. He was put on the island of Patmos because they couldn't shut him up from talking about Jesus. Evidently, there is a legend that goes that they tried to boil him in oil at one stage, but he survived it. So they put him out in Patmos, a very bleak island uh, near Greece, very windswept, very uncomfortable, probably just with a couple of soldiers or whatever. And... Um, and here he is saying, on the Lord's day. Now, no one has to remind him what the Lord's day is. No one has to send him an email or a notice. On the Lord's day, I was worshipping. I was in the spirit. It's amazing what happens 
if you're worshipping and in the Spirit. And there he is without any other encouragement, but he had had such a powerful encounter with Jesus Christ. The last time he saw Jesus was after his death, resurrection, and then he appeared to the disciples uh, for 40 days, and then he ascended. Can you imagine what it was like for John to see his beloved Jesus? And he didn't see the Jesus bloodied from his death on the cross. He saw the Jesus victorious, holding the seven stars. Can you imagine what it was like for John? And he fell as if dead. And his friend, Jesus, put his hand on his shoulder and said, do not be afraid. When people encounter the living God, they often have a response like that. It's incredible. Sometimes we want heavenly encounters. Be ready to fall on your face as if dead if you see heavenly encounters. Because there's something that happens which is totally involuntary when our flesh meets Jesus. And we will fall on our faces. I hear lots of people say, when I get up there, I'm going to say this and that. You won't say a thing. You will fall on your face and those complaints you've got will disappear. This is the almighty God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. This is who it is. After the, now then he told him about the seven churches, and that's a wonderful teaching series, and we've actually been on a trip to Turkey to the seven churches. It was fantastic. I'd go again. It was amazing. It made the whole book of Revelations come alive. People say Revelation, Apocalypse, it gives it a kind of, ooh, it's scary. It's a wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a great encouragement for what we will go through if we will only just gaze in the throne room. Why did Jesus show John these things? He showed him about the seven churches Then, as we go on, Revelations 4, 1 to 4, after this I looked and before me was a door standing open in heaven. It's an open door. If we will get into the spirit, which just means to focus on Jesus, it's funny how doors open. And the voice I'd first heard speaking to me, like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. He knew that John would be very burdened by what he'd heard and what the admonitions to the churches, some of them are very sobering. Very sobering indeed. At once I was in the spirit again and before me, now this is not your usual Saturday morning reading your whatever it is, word for today, Yeah, if you can do it every day, that's great. Um, At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold. On the heads. Eat your heart out, Peter Jackson. Listen, you listen to this. 
From the throne came thunders and flashings of lightnings, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. They are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. And the fourth was a flying eagle. Each of these four living creatures had six wings and covered their eye, covered with eyes all around, even under their wings, day and night. They never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. No complaints about the worship going too long up there. He's our creator. The living creatures give glory and thanks. The elders fall down. Worship him who lives forever. Lay their crowns before the throne. You are worthy, our Lord God, to receive glory, honor, and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being in you. Do you know just the fact you got up this morning is because of our creator? The fact that you're breathing right now is because of our creator. We live, we move, and we have our being in him. Most of our mental pictures of Jesus are shaped by the Gospels. We don't want our understanding of Jesus to be confined to his time on earth. The Jesus we call out to now and commune with is the risen Jesus and glorified Jesus. The vision, this vision of him builds our trust and expands our joy. We see both the lion and the lamb. This is worship way beyond our, our personal preferences. Way beyond. Oh, I don't like that one's too slow. That one's too fast. Yeah, yeah, they're doing that one again. Right, I'm leaving the church. The church has hurt me with the worship songs. Okay, right. Been a pastor for years, so I speak with authority. <laughs> Let's go to Rev 5, 10 to 13. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked, this is John speaking, and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature, every creature on heaven and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits upon the throne and to the lamb. You see, he will always be a lamb. He's forever the lamb. Forever he shall be the lamb upon the throne. He's also the the lion of Judah, but the lamb can never be forgotten. 
It can never be forgotten, the sacrifice. And so that's in the throne room. It's a time and memoriam. We will never forget the lamb. Never, ever should we forget the lamb and the sacrifice. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praised and glory forever and ever. Worthy are you, Lord, to receive all praise. You know, God wants us seated in heavenly places. That's why he tells us, I think it's Colossians, be seated with me in heavenly places. Jesus is actually not in your heart. He is in heavenly places. He's in the throne room. He's advocating for us 24-7. It's the spirit of Jesus in the Holy Spirit that's in our hearts. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's honestly, what a job description, 24-7 prayer, plus he breaks it every now and then to go in and be the advocate. So when we pray, when we confess, there's one thing that needs to actually, um, what's the word, cause the advocate to function. This happens when you get older. You're having to change whole sentences because you can't think of certain words. Um, (laughs) And um, so confession actually, okay, the advocate, I'll take this before the father. He takes it before the father and he says to the father, this is one of yours. This is one of mine. You see, even if you do sin, and you will, but I like to think that we actually should be sinning less as we go on because we're coming to know more and more of his love. You see, telling people what they're doing wrong doesn't seem to change it. Going like this doesn't change it. The love of God changes us. There's just an amazing thing that actually happens when you are able to confess to him, and it it talks in James, confess your faults and your sins to one another. Is that so everyone can know your business? No. Jesus, the Father, knows the power of confession, knows that when you confess to another person, because you're humbling yourself, by that very thing of confession, you're saying, I can't do this. I've been living in hell in my mind. And over the years, we have heard some really sad things and some really terrible things. But the power of confession and then feeling the blood of Jesus wash away your sin. Who can take away your sin? No one, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And how does he do that? by you confessing. You see, there's always a symbiotic relationship going on here. It talks in Romans, it says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Present yourselves. So you have to present yourself. Renew your mind. You have to renew it. And then he transforms it. You see, it's not magic You have to be involved in the relationship. It's funny how when you renew your mind and you feed your heart and your mind with the word of God, that suddenly you realize you've changed a bit. 
My husband's got an amazing ability to memorize scripture, even though he can never find his keys. But um, is there anyone else suffering from that particular illness? Okay, we'll have a bit of deliverance later. Um, He has got what he calls gardens in his mind of scripture that he has memorized. He's got a garden of healing. He's got a garden of provision. He's got a garden of faith and some other gardens. Yeah, and I'm very jealous, but I haven't. I'm inspired, but I need to act. I can memorize scripture. Okay, say it after me. I can memorize scripture. Because he can call on it. And a lot of his prayer uh, is scripture. And a lot of his proclamation is scripture because many years ago when he was very, now he's very, he tells the story himself. When our boys were teenagers and very interesting and, um, and very lovely, uh, Phil thought, I'm going to start proclaiming scripture over my sons. And he got up five o'clock in the morning and walked around and he proclaimed God's promises over our sons. And it didn't happen straight away. But six months later, some things changed. And we've continued to proclaim over our sons and our grandchildren and ourselves. You know, let the scripture speak to you. Proclaim scriptures over yourself. Look at the power of what we've witnessed in the throne room. You know, this is how it goes. They have their heads down. They put them up. Next minute they fall and they have to keep singing over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. No one's like, come on, look happy, smile a bit more, sing a bit louder. They've got no choice. It's involuntary because they are seeing Jesus glorified. They're seeing the throne room full of every tribe and every tongue, every language. Any questions they've ever had have been answered in one look. Now, I love this particular throne room, and I probably need to go into that throne room more. How do I go in? Read the scriptures. As soon as you read the scriptures, I'm just thinking, Peter Jackson, you've got nothing on the book of Revelation. I mean, the creation, the creative, the colors, the things that are going on in there, those creatures with even under their armpits, you know, eyes everywhere. And what are the eyes for? So they can see the one who sits upon the throne. They're not to sort of be looking at each other. They're to see the one who sits upon the throne. And his name is Jesus. King Jesus, Lord of Lords, Captain of the Lord's Army, Lord of Angel Armies, Deliverer, Healer. If you can get a vision of Jesus and keep it before your heart, your life will change. If you have ideas that God doesn't like you or God doesn't answer you, read these scriptures. Revelations 4 and 5. And, of course, after this, the book of Revelation goes into some things that will happen on the earth. That is why 
He showed it to John so that John could write it down. So before we even look at some of the things that are going to happen, we are looking at who's in charge. We're looking at the one upon the throne. And so we need not fear what is to come. We need to only fear him who sits on the throne with the fear of God that is a beautiful thing. It's so easy, isn't it, just to cruise along and not actually discipline yourself to actually sit in some of these verses. Can God help me? Well, yes, this God can. We need to open the vista. We need to go through the door. But it often starts with us. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. He was worshipping. You know, I mean, God can spontaneously come upon people, but once you're a believer, generally you need to move towards God. And of course, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And if your Christian life is dry and crusty and boring, here's a new exciting adventure for you. But it will take you entering through the door. No one else can go through that door on your behalf. Everyone has to enter the door by themselves. Sometimes I think I'd love to be taken up to heaven and then I think I'm too scared. Not scaredy, scared, scared, but the awe of it, the almighty God. It's sobering and wonderful, isn't it? Can we have the worship people up to, this is what I would like to suggest, it's up to you, that we actually just sit for a couple of minutes while the worship plays, don't sing, just sit. Close your eyes if that works for you. Keep them open if it doesn't. And um, just see if you can take yourself and think of this picture into the throne room. It, it, it's life-changing.